Welcome to the Scott Ross Discipleship Podcast. Scott has been discipling men and women for more than 20 years and is passionate about helping you grow into the full measure of the maturity of Christ. Grab your Bible, something to write with, and your favorite warm beverage, and let's listen as Scott takes us deeper in our walk with God. So um, we are continuing our new metology study. For our guests, we are uh, in the midst of a study on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. That's what the word pneumatology means. And so um, we are right now doing uh, a quick survey of the Old Testament and what the Old Testament says about the Holy Spirit. Because as we've said, uh, when people think of the Holy Spirit, they naturally think of the New Testament. And obviously the Holy Spirit is revealed in a in a massive way in the New Testament, starting in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost, and when the Holy Spirit is um, given to the believers, the promise that Christ made to them is fulfilled. But the Holy Spirit actually uh, was progressively revealed by God through the Old Testament, and we've covered the Pentateuch, or the, um, the Torah, the first five books, and then we went through um, Joshua and Judges. We are in the historical books now, and we were just in Samuel when we were last together, and um, in the book of Samuel. But just as a quick reminder, we saw uh, the Holy Spirit involved in uh, creation and, the cre- and being the creative force in the Torah, and then uh, we saw that when we moved into the historical books, especially starting with Judges, the Holy Spirit was used to de- designate or to, I should say, to declare someone as God's chosen one and used to create military success. And then that evolution, that evolved when we got into um, Samuel. Hey, Greg. Um, so... Um, in, in Samuel, that, that continued to evolve, and we had this idea of prophecy that got introduced in Samuel. And when we were last together, we saw that Saul, the king, the first king ever appointed by God to be king of Israel after Israel, the nation of Israel demanded a king, he started having these ecstatic utterances uh, that were uh, through the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, God removes the spirit from Saul, He removes the anointing from Saul. He designates David to be the anointed second king, and that's where we are picking up. Does anybody have any questions about kind of our survey of where we've been so far before we get right back into this? Okay. Um, We had said last time, this is a quote from David Firth about the the Holy Spirit uh, or the prophesying being ecstatic utterances. So now we're going to move to David And these are uh, David's very last words. Um, And in the midst of his last words, we're going to see clearly that prophecy becomes a focus for the Holy Spirit. And the connection between the Holy Spirit and the Word of God starts to come out for the first time in a huge way through David and through David's life and obviously David's writings in the Psalms. And so here it says in uh, 2 Samuel 23, 1-7, These are the last words of David, the declaration of David, son of Jesse, the declaration of the man raised on high, the one anointed by the God, by the God of Jacob. This is the most delightful of Israel's songs. 
the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. Hey, Tom. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, the one who rules the people with justice, who rules in the fear of God, is like the morning light when the sun rises on a cloudless morning, the glisten of rain on sprouting grass. Is it not true my house is with God, for he has established a permanent covenant with me, ordered and secure in every detail? Will he not bring about my whole salvation and my every desire? But all the wicked are like thorns raked aside. They can never be picked up by hand. The man who touches them must be armed with iron and the shaft of a spear. They will be completely burned up on the spot. So, here we have uh, clearly an oracle from God being spoken through David to the people. And this is one of the first times we see this happen. Uh, Actually, it is the first time we see this happen in Scripture in exactly this way. And it is, even though this is technically prophecy, notice that the word prophecy is not used here because there's a clear contrast between what Saul was experiencing, prophesying with these ecstatic nonsense utterances naked on the floor, if you recall, and what David is having happen, which is the very words of God being transferred through him to the nation of Israel. And what this passage means is that the entirety of David's kingship and his ministry is bracketed by the Holy Spirit. His entrance onto the scene comes back in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, in that in, in following, you have the Holy Spirit anointing David. That's the beginning of his ministry. Now here at the very end, he says, the words that I've spoken, I've spoken by the Spirit of David. God. So, even though David is overwhelmed by the anointing in the same way that Saul is, the way that it's manifested was very, very different. And this is pivotal for our whole understanding of the Old Testament because from this point forward, the Holy Spirit is going to be very, very connected to God's Word and God speaking to His people and speaking through the prophets, the Holy Spirit speaking through human beings. So up to this point, what do we see? We saw that the Holy Spirit, it's like a flag that says, that's the one I picked, and it's used for external behavior like military conquest with the judges, and now it's transitioning, the revelation is transitioning to the Holy Spirit being the very mouthpiece of God, and it's... it's, It's not so much just a flag of anointing because sometimes you don't even know. Like with David, we saw that he was anointed, but it wasn't outwardly visible to people right away like it was with Saul. That kind of came later, Um, but it's this speaking through through whoever is picked uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that as we progress, then we, you know, eventually we have Solomon right, in the temple and then the Holy Spirit residing in the temple for the people. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of where we're going? Yeah, and the permanent covenant, it's interesting that, you know, how the Holy Spirit operates. Uh, we had no idea what uh, Pastor Wayne was going to speak on today when I was working on these notes, but he talks about in the sermon today, if you were in church, that 
you know, there's this prophecy, prophecy that there will be a descendant of David that will be on the throne forever in Jerusalem, that, da- that the, that person will never see decay, they will never rot in the grave, and that's this permanent covenant that's alluded to here. And the other interesting thing about what we see in the evolution in Samuel is, in Samuel, the Holy Spirit... Now, I'm going to set aside the creation event for a second. Through the scripture we've studied so far, the Holy Spirit has not operated independently of the person. They've anointed the, the Holy Spirit has anointed the person to operate. Now we start seeing the Holy Spirit operating independent of humans throughout 1 Samuel. Like, for instance, we saw that the Holy Spirit disempowered people who were trying to do the wrong thing. Do you all remember that? So um, the Holy Spirit is operating on his own accord uh, in a big way throughout the, the book of Samuel. Okay, that leads us to Chronicles and Nehemiah. Now, um, the references to the Spirit here are going to have a very simple focus. They're going to be basically all about the Holy Spirit delivering Yahweh's words to the people. And what's really interesting is that Chronicles is essentially the same story, it's the exact same history as Samuel, and yet it's going to use none of the same references to the Holy Spirit. It's going to come at the references to the Holy Spirit from a completely different angle throughout the book of Chronicles. Okay, so here's an example. In 1 Chronicles 12, 18, then the Spirit enveloped Amasai, chief of the 30, and he said, we are yours, David, we are with you, son of Jesse, peace, peace to you, and peace to him who helps you, for your God helps you. So David received them and made them leader of his troops. This is the first reference to the Spirit in Chronicles. And um, where is that word? I think I have the wrong English translation here. But it says, uh, oh, up there. Then the Spirit enveloped Amasai. That word in Hebrew is labash. And that is the exact same word we're going to see used in the very last reference to the Spirit in Chronicles, which comes here, 2 Chronicles 24.20. It says, The Spirit of God enveloped Zechariah, son of Jehoiada, the priest. He stood above the people and said to them, This is what God says. Why are you transgressing the Lord's commands so that you do not prosper? Because you have abandoned the Lord. He has abandoned to you. Uh, has abandoned you. Now, um, does anybody recognize this pattern at all from any I know we've covered a lot of ground so far in the Old Testament but does this seem familiar amen give the guy a gold star that's exactly right this is exactly what happened to, to Gideon it says that Gideon got the Spirit of God enveloped Gideon and Gideon said basically why are you transgressing against the Lord so we're, we're kind of hearkening back to that. Here's, here it is. The Spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon, and he blew the ram's horn, and Abizrites rallied behind him in Judges 6.34. So then the, uh, if we come back here, the 30 were the elite warriors. Um, and again, what have we said was a pattern with the Holy Spirit? When the Holy Spirit shows up, it, up to this point, there's been a lot of what kind of action? Military action. So we have a little bit of that happening here. But notice that the focus is not on the action. The focus is on the words. 
the focus is on God speaking through them, speaking to them. Same thing here. And they abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and served the Asherah poles and the idols. So there was wrath against Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. This is the passage that immediately precedes that reference to the Holy Spirit. And it evokes that same language of the judges, but instead of showing military action, it's God's words speaking through the person and rebuking them. Okay, 2 Chronicles 15, 1-2, The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Oded. So he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin, hear me. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. Second Chronicles 20. In the middle of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jehiel, son of Matanah, a Levite from Asaph's descendants, and he said, Listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So we continue to see this contrast with Judges. It's still a focus on idolatry, just like it was in Judges. It's still a focus on paganism, just like in Judges. But instead of it being a military response, it is, a vo- it is a vocal response. It is God speaking through the prophet to these people. So Chronicles is just this, it's a further um, revelation of what God is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing. Um, is, it, it's about the word of God going forth. Mm-hmm. And then, then we have God speaking through. Would you say that um, Samuel was the first prophet, kind of slash mm-hmm. um, priest? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then David's anointed, of course. Saul's anointed, David's anointed, and then, but what, you start going deeper into the uh, the kingdom. There, you have God speaking not through the king but through the prophets, to correct the king a bunch of things. Right. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, this may seem super academic. What we're, what we're just trying to show you is we're going to start to see, and then once we get to this point, once we reach David, we're going to see the Holy Spirit and the Word of God being almost synonymous moving forward throughout the rest of Scripture. In Judges, when the Holy Spirit would anoint someone like Samson or Gideon, it wasn't so that they could proclaim God. It was so that they would have military success and that the people would know that's the general God has chosen. Now we see a shift. Even though here you see military language, you see there's things happening that are action-oriented. It's much more focused on God speaking through that person and God's Word being the byproduct of I don't want to call it byproduct because it's actually the very essence of it. But the Holy Spirit speaking through that character that's being discussed. Correct. It's all about divine utterance uh, once we reach once we reach Samuel and Chronicles. And Chronicles makes that really simple. Samuel it gets a little bit me- me- I don't want to call it messy, but there's some action allusions and there's some prophetic allusions. Once we get to Chronicles, it's all prophetic. Okay, Nehemiah. Um, this, the context of this is a prayer of confession. 
But look at how the people have been unfaithful to Yahweh. And Nehemiah 9, 20, and 30 says, You sent your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your manna from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. And if you skip down, it says, You were patient with them for many years, and your spirit warned them through your prophets, but they would not listen. Therefore, you handed them over to the surrounding peoples. So here, again, what's the emphasis on? Yeah. The Spirit, what in the first verse? Instructs. And down here, warns. Um, okay, so what are our conclusions we can draw from the historical books? Because we kind of um, had to divide this across two class periods, so it's maybe we're, we're forgetting some of what we learned from Samuel. But the historical books reveal a progressive development of the understanding of the Spirit. Judges focus on the Spirit in empowering those called by Yahweh to deliver his people in a military context. And when we reach Chronicles and Nehemiah, the focus is on the Spirit's role in enabling prophets to speak God's message to his people. And the pivot, the pivot occurs in the book of Samuel, where Saul's narrative shows important transitions from the pattern found in Judges to the pattern found in the later books. The key turning point is found in David as the man of the Spirit. His whole reign is characterized by references to his anointing and to the Spirit. And he is the point where we move from experience of the Spirit being so overwhelming that normal activity ceases to the point where experience of the Spirit enables God's Word, God's word to be spoken. Any thoughts or questions on the historical books? Huh? Does what still happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, nowadays, a lot of people act like they're actually dealing with the spirit like that. Mm-hmm. And you look at the truth and like, are you really? Mm-hmm. And then there's a few people that will that'll say, no, I mean, as long as you're following Jesus, you have the spirit. Okay. And, I, and I'm more inclined to believe the latter, but I don't know. So it's a great question, and it's something we're going to definitely get into in a lot of detail when we get into the New Testament. But what you're asking, you're really asking two things, but... Um, you're asking one question that part of it has two different directions it can go. And what you're asking about is the big picture idea of cessationism versus continuationism. And all that is is big theological way to say, did the gifts of the Holy Spirit cease at the apostolic age or did they continue? And there's, those are basically the dividing line around this idea. So, for instance, when it says there's gifts of prophecy or there's gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues, Things of those nature, th things of that nature, things that are verbal, right? Like you're referring to. Does do those gifts continue after the apostles? Because we know the apostles heard from the Holy Spirit, right? How do we know that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know that Second uh, Timothy three sixteen says all Scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Right. So uh, the Scriptures that would mean that. Paul was led by the Holy Spirit. Peter was led by the Holy Spirit. So we know that the gifts lasted at least up to then. But there's a school of thought that says that they ceased then. Then there's another school of thought that says they continued. Okay? So that's one question we have to ask. But then the second thing we, can we have to ask, which is also what you're alluding to, is what do we do with people who come to us and say, 
I've, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said dot, 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 right? And we have clear teaching. And again, we'll get it, we're going to get into this in a lot of detail because it's one of y'all's checklist items, by the way. But um, uh, for, the, for, for our guests, uh, we started this class by everybody asking every question they wanted to know about the Holy Spirit. And we have a checklist, and we're going to make sure they're all checked by the time we get done. But the, um, the, 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 the thing we're told to do is we have to test everything in light of Scripture. So if somebody says this, and then you can look at Scripture and it clearly says something different, that would mean they probably didn't say that. Now at that point, we need to stone them. Which is not a pleasant experience, you know. I don't know if you've ever been to a stoning. It's kind of weird. Um, I'm joking. But, you know, anybody who says they speak for... Everybody, anybody who says they... According to the Old Testament law, I'm, I'm making a, a joke. Anybody who's... Uh, according to the Old Testament law, anybody who says they speak for God and they, they don't, they're supposed to be put to death. So. That's what kept them clean and pure. Correct. And Correct. Correct. Okay, any... any uh, so does that... I don't know that doesn't answer your question because all I'm telling you is we're going to talk about it. Um, because it's a lot longer discussion than does it still happen. Obviously, the Holy Spirit speaks to us today. How does He speak to us today? For sure. Through His Word. Exactly. It says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that, the next verse is the key, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What it says is that we're lacking nothing in the Scripture. We don't lack anything, right? We are thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we would want to test everything against, at a minimum, we want to test everything against the Scripture. There's one Scripture in particular that indicates that the gift of the Holy Spirit is continuing on. Now what is to your, your children, your children's children, in other words, it's through the generations. Mm-hmm. Uh, as to what is in that, the Holy Spirit, it was in the context, I believe, was the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Mm. Um, I have to go back and look up that Scripture. Mm. Sure. And by the way, remember our long discussion about essentials and non-essentials that we're going to make sure we maintain in this class at all times? Okay, it is a non-essential whether the gifts ceased. It is not uh, something we should be dividing over as Christians. If you believe the gifts ceased and someone else believes that they continue on, that is a non-essential doctrine. That is an in-house debate. What is not an in-house debate is whether whether the scripture is God breathed and whether it's authoritative. That's not, that's, that is an essential. And so ultimately, you know, uh, even if, if somebody's supposedly prophesying, we, 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 we shouldn't have any issues if, if, because it should all line up with scripture and we should be able to easily dismiss it uh, when it doesn't. It just has to be the King James Bible. Okay, well. <laughs> That is the one Jesus read from himself, of course. So. No, I'm just kidding. We shouldn't joke like this, especially with guests here. We don't know what, they don't know us. They're like, my gosh, so irreverent. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Any other questions about that? It's a good question, Steve. It's a really good question. It's a question that everybody wonders. It's on everybody's mind. Um, I will tell you that one of the, one of the things that happens, um, whether you're a cessationist or not, 
that is a, a challenge is we, we tend to buy into this notion that there's some secret wisdom, some secret spirituality that you could access that we don't have. And if I could just get to that, that would be the thing that unlocks everything for me. And because we think that subconsciously, there's also some pride and ego involved in potentially being one of those people who has that secret thing that other people don't have. And that gets very, very dangerous on many levels. Uh, and so you don't have to be a cessationist to recognize that. I mean, you can be a continuationist and still recognize the danger in that. There's many that do. So we want to just guard against this notion that we are lacking something. You know, Christ plus nothing equals everything. Thanks for listening. We pray this has been edifying. If you've enjoyed the show, please give us a shout out on your favorite social media platform. Scott's username on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is Scott Ross Online. That's Scott Ross Online, all one word. Also, please remember to go to scottrossonline.com to subscribe, catch up on past episodes, and discuss what you've learned with others. Until next time, continue to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. God bless you.